0: Let's say with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you in this place. And we just thank you for who it is that you are, for all it is that you do. We just thank you for every blessing that you've just bestowed upon this church and every person present here, God. And I just pray further blessings upon them and the families that they represent. I pray, Lord, that you would use me. I pray, God, that you would just have your words just touch at least one person here, Lord, that they might change uh, from the inside out and leave different to how they arrived. And for everything that takes place in this place. We will give you all praise and we will give you all glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be kicking off. Pray it forward. Now, this is going to be for the whole month of July, and we're really excited about this. Prayer is a fantastic topic, and it's one that we can uh, talk about uh, for a long, long period of time lots and lots and lots, which is exactly what we plan to do this month. So, I would uh, urge you and encourage you every Wednesday, every Sunday to be here. We're going to be talking about prayer and looking at prayer from lots of different aspects and lots of different directions. We're going to be looking at how to pray, we're going to be looking at why we pray, and the benefits of prayer. Uh, I'm going to do a bit of an overview this morning. Um, we're going to be covering some areas uh, that prayer is very, very important in your lives. And on your seat, uh, or a seat nearby to you, uh, on the table on the way out, if you'd like to collect one, there is this. It's what's what we're calling a prayer journal. As you can see, no expense has been spared. Uh, we have put this together for you. Uh, this is your own individual thing, and as I said, you're not obligated to go through it. Uh, but we would love for you to just follow along. During the course of the month, we have actually listed out a list of different prayers that you can pray and focus upon each day of the month of July. Now again, it's not obligatory, but we would just love to give you the opportunity just to give you some guidance. Quite often people don't pray because they don't firstly necessarily know how to pray, but they don't know what to pray for. So we're just giving you a couple of uh, pointers, a couple of um, nudges, if you will, uh, on this journal. You can always flip over one of the pages and write on the back, uh, you know, anything that you're actually uh, given during the time, your time of prayer. Because let's remember, prayer is a two-way conversation. It's between you and God. You're not doing all the talking. You should be doing more listening than the talking side of things. But we're really excited about this, we're really excited about prayer in general. And why? Because it's incredibly powerful. And hopefully this morning, I'll be able to give you some pointers on why that's the case, on different areas in your life where it can really make an impact on you and the people around you and also how we can go about praying. Now, prayer has got limitless potential. And it's up to us individually to tap into it. And over the next four weeks, as I said, we'll be seeing how we can do that. And trust me, there is really nothing complicated about it. It's very, very simple, very straightforward. Having a prayer life uh, really is not complex. It's just about making the decision that you are going to be dedicated and consistent with it. And nothing improves relationships like communication does. Nothing will improve your relationships with your friends, with your spouses, with your significant others, with your kids, with your parents. Nothing will improve that relationship the way that communication can, the way that good communication can. And the very same is true about our relationship with the Lord. Good communication with God is essential in our Christian walk. Now, prayer is not about what God can do for us. It's about what God can do in us and with us. And through us, for the benefit of other people. Now, believing in God and believing that a God exists is not enough. Just believing God exists is not enough. All that does effectively is set you apart differently by name from an atheist or from an agnostic. If you're actually prepared to say God exists. So that's all that that really does for you, is to set you apart by name from an agnostic or from an atheist. You can believe God exists and you can invite him into your life. But what that does is save you, which is obviously incredibly important. But that's not enough either. That doesn't give you a life of freedom and a life of salvation. It doesn't, mean that you're free. it doesn't mean that you're saved, but it doesn't give you all of the benefits of salvation. So the first thought I want to share with you is this. True relationship with God is more than inviting him into your life. It's allowing him to be involved in your life. Let me repeat that. True relationship with God is more than inviting him into your life. It's allowing him to be involved in your life. So, allowing God. So, do we, do, do we actually have to invite him? Do we have to give God permission to be involved in our life? After all, he is God. God can do anything. Yes, God can do anything. God is omniscient. He's all-powerful. He can do whatever it is that he wants to do, but he will not force himself on you. He will not force himself into your life or any area of your life. So yes, we have to consciously, not just invite him into our lives, but invite him and allow him into every area of our life. God is all-powerful, as I said. And when you get to the point where you're praying about every area of your life, what that means is is that you're communicating with God in every area of your life, which in turn means that you're having him involved in every area of your life. And that is a kind of relationship that as Christians we should be, each and every one of us, striving for. So... Devotion to God does not take away our human responsibility in any situation. Devotion to God does not take away our human responsibility in every situation. By praying and tapping, by praying, we are tapping into the power at source that God is. His power is endless, limitless, and available to you and me if we ask for it. But let me qualify. Just being devoted to God does not necessarily mean that we have no responsibility in our situation. In other words, you know, we can't just lay back and just pray and hope that God fixes everything for us. Every area of our life, we can invite him into it. We can invite his guidance. We can invite his hand to be present upon it. But we also have to take some responsibility for what the things that are going on around us and the things that are going on in our lives. Now, Let me qualify what prayer isn't. Just a few things that prayer is not. Whilst it is all-powerful and life-changing, there are a few things that prayer is not. One of those is this. Prayer is not a quick fix. God can do anything with and through our faith, and he is definitely a miracle worker, but we should not be turning to him in expectancy of him being a magician. Whilst we should pray for God to be involved in every area of our lives, we can't expect him to do everything for us, While we sit back and we do nothing. While we're praying for God to work in our lives, we still have to do our share and work as well, like I said. And we should be putting ourselves in a position to receive his blessings. Next slide, please. Right, James 2.18, the book of James. He writes this, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What that's basically saying is this. We can have all of the faith that we we want to have, but if we're not actually putting behind it some action, faith is an action word. In fact, action in a situation is an indication of the amount of faith that we have. Faith is not, as I said, just making a prayer and just sitting back and waiting. So it's no good praying for God to give you favor and provide you with a job, for example, if you're out of work, if what you're doing is sitting at home playing video games and you're not actually making any job applications. okay? So you can be praying for the right job, but the right job is not just going to fall in your lap. You need to be active. You need to have works. You need to be going about trying to find yourself a job. And in that situation, you're putting yourself in the right position for God to then bless you with the job that you're looking for. It's no good praying for a promotion in a job that you might have. If you're taking sick days every other week, to go play golf or to go shopping. Because you're not then doing your part, if you like, in the deal. So we have to have faith while putting forth effort. In fact, as I've said already, our good works confirm that faith is alive in us. It's an indication that we do actually have faith. Now, I'm not saying, though, that we should take control of a situation and leave God out of it. That's not the idea. We can't. Uh, as I say, take control of the situation and leave God out of it. Another thing that prayer is not, prayer is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. If you've done something wrong and you know you've done something wrong, if you made a wrong choice and you've sinned in your life, now you can turn to the Lord and you can pray for forgiveness and he will forgive you. He will forgive you of every sin. But what he will do sometimes is allow you to live with the consequences of that sin. He won't erase that episode from your life. He will allow you to live through the consequences of the choice that you have made. And that's only right because the Lord can't condone sin and the Lord cannot bless sin. He will forgive sin and he does, con- uh, he does forgive sin. So every sin that you've ever committed, as soon as you give your heart to the Lord, is forgiven. But sometimes we have to make, uh, do with the consequences that we actually have. Let me give you an example. If you commit a felony crime, and you turn to the Lord and you ask for his forgiveness, 100% guaranteed that he will forgive you for it. But if you commit a felony crime, the likelihood is you're going to do prison time. Now, that's the consequences of the choice that you've actually made. So praying to the Lord will grant you forgiveness, but it is not, as I said, a quick fix or a get-out-of-jail-free card. Prayer also is not a request line for you to bring wrath and fire and death, and pestilence upon people that irritate you. It's really, it's really not an opportunity for you to, to, to turn to God and say, God, I know I'm one of your favorites. Now this person here is causing me all kinds of grief, all kinds of discomfort. I'm not saying that you need to do anything drastic, Lord, but maybe just, I don't know, have his alarm clock not go off in the morning so he's late for work, whatever it might be. That's not what it's about. What we're to be praying for in that kind of a situation is for help in order that we can forgive that person. All right, so lastly, what prayer is not it's not the bat phone. It's not something that we turn to in a case of an emergency. And emergency only. <clears throat> the only time that the bat phone is used is when the, it's the last the last ditch effort, let's call Batman. Alright, that's not how God should be. We should be in permanent conversation with the Lord. So again, prayer is incredibly powerful. And in the walk of a Christian, it's absolutely essential. And prayer won't just change your life. Prayer will change your perspective on life. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're in constant prayer with the Lord, then you're aware of the Lord at all times. Jimmy was mentioning it earlier on. When times of, in, in times of trouble, it's very hard for us just to, to remember the fact that God is with us. And let's be honest, when things are going really well, It's hard to remember that God is with us. Somewhere in between, sometimes we might remember that God is really with us. But if we're in constant conversation about everything in our life, then we're never going to forget that God's with us, are we? So when we know that God is with us, it's going to help us in the choices that we make. Put your hand up, please, if sometime during 2014, you have not sinned. Awesome. (laughs) Praise God for that. It's always a bit tricky when somebody raises their hand on that one. <laughs> All right, so my point is this. Every single one of us here has sinned. Now, let me ask you this question. Pick one of the sins that you I'm assuming that you've done it more than once. So pick one of the sins that you've actually committed during the course of 2014. And let me ask you this question. If Jesus Christ was in the room with you, would you have committed the sin? I know my answer to that question would be, no, sir, no, ma'am. It's not going to happen. So here's the deal. If you have God in your life consistently, if you're in constant prayer and conversation with God, he is always present, which means that when temptation comes, you are less likely to actually give in to that temptation. Does that make sense? So from that point of view, it changes your perspective on life. It doesn't just change your life, it changes your perspective on life. So prayer, as I said, very, very powerful. Now prayer is so powerful that even Jesus did it. And if the Son of God considers that prayer can help him, we better believe that it can help us. Amen? Now, let's be totally clear about this. Jesus did not just pray on a passing basis, as and when he felt like it. He didn't say the occasional prayer every now and again. Jesus was in constant prayer. He had a a permanent, constant, dedicated prayer life with the Father, our Father, with his Father. And this is the Son of God that we're talking about. Before every single major decision he made, he prayed. He prayed through the night before he chose who his 12 disciples were going to be. He prayed before every time he actually performed a miracle. And he prayed every time after he had performed a miracle. He prayed giving thanks to God, giving praise to God. He went to him with troubles, with situations. He turned to the Lord in prayer in every given situation. And as I said, we have to remember that Jesus was sent to us primarily to die for us. That was his function. That was his purpose, to die for us on the cross, to free us and forgive us of his sins. But he didn't just turn up on the planet and just kick around until he was 33 years of age and then get nailed to the cross. Whilst he was here, he taught. He taught as a teacher by the words that he spoke. But more than that, he taught by his example. Everything about Jesus was an example the way he carried himself, the way he spoke to other people, the way he dealt with other people, the way he thought about other people. Everything that Jesus did was an example. So, if Jesus had a constant, dedicated prayer life, it goes to to, easily said that we, in turn, should have a constant, dedicated prayer life. Does that make sense? Okay. So, I want to take a few moments to look at some of the areas of our lives as Christians where prayer can have a major impact. And in every one of these areas, I'm going to look at what Jesus had to pray and say about it. Okay? What Jesus had to pray and say about it. So the first area in your life where prayer will help you is this. Praise. Praise. This is first on my list, very importantly, because... We're told clearly by Jesus how to praise God with our prayers. One of the disciples, we're not told in the Bible as to which disciple it was, but one of the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And the first thing that Jesus did was to actually tell them the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Matthew 6, 9. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, the very first line of the very first prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples is praise. The very first line of the very first prayer that he teaches his disciples is praise. So that again shows us how important it is that in prayer we open our prayers with praise for the Lord. Hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means regarded as holy. It means venerated. It means sacred. This means by praising... At the outset of every prayer, irrespective of what we're praying about, we should give him praise and glory. What we're doing is this. We're recognizing who God is. We're recognizing that he is worthy. We're recognizing the fact he's sovereign. We're recognizing the fact that he is Lord. We're recognizing the blessings in your life and where it is that they came from. So even if we're turning to the Lord in prayer when we're in a difficult situation, we should be praising him for the blessings that we have. Because I don't care how bad things are in your life. There are good things in your life also. They're not always going to cancel out the bad things, let's be honest. Sometimes there's periods of your life where, you know, the bad things outnumber the good. But your number of good things in your life is never zero. It's never zero. There's always something to be thankful for. So by giving him praise and glory for that, firstly, it gives him recognition for the fact that you have these blessings in your life, which is important. And secondly, again, it reminds you that you have these blessings in your life. So we're thanking the God for the things that he's done and the things that he's doing in your life. We're also acknowledging, as I said, that he is Lord and Saviour of your life. We're giving him his proper position. And we're keeping his place in our lives in perspective. One of the biggest challenges that we have, I believe, and it's just my opinion, one of the biggest challenges that we have as human beings is staying focused on the Lord. Because there's just distractions everywhere. And I include myself in this. There's distractions everywhere, particularly in in this country, in this great nation. You know, we're we're blessed to have all the technology and everything that we have, to have the friendships that we have, to have Facebooks, to have Instagrams, to have telephones, to have games, to have TVs, to have cinemas to go visit, just to, to all of these things which are out there which can prove to be distractions. So by praying to him, as I said, and by praising him in prayer, what it helps us to do is somewhat is to keep his place in our lives in perspective so the second area that we're going to look at where praying becomes important is this second area is problems problems going to him when we need help and we should be going to him before things go really bad as i said it shouldn't be a case of the bat phone It should be a case of when things are, even before they're going bad, we should be in prayer about him. But when things are starting to go bad, we should definitely be in prayer about it it to him. And again, we should be seeking guidance and we should be seeking direction from him as to how to deal with the situation in the best possible way. It's not a case of a quick fix. It's not a case of if I get to God fast enough, he will stop this from happening to me. Some cases that might happen. He may deliver you from a situation or a position or a problem that you might be going through. The other side of the coin is He might not. But it depends on whether or not that's part of God's will. God will not always take the problems away. And the same thing applies for Jesus, and Jesus recognized it. In John 12, 27, he's actually in the middle of a prayer right now, talking about, he's praying about his disciples. And at this juncture, this point in time, this is literally just before he is gonna, He's speaking and he's predicting being betrayed, and the fact that he's actually going to be going to the cross. So he's praying for his disciples. And he's praying over his disciples, and he is speaking now. And he's saying, "Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour." So what Jesus is saying right there is, "I'm in trouble. My spirit is troubled. I'm fearful. I'm afraid." But should I go to my father and ask him just to take away now what it is my purpose is? And he then answers his own question. He says, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. So he's recognizing the fact that although he's afraid, although he's going through this strife, he's going through this challenge right now, he has to complete it. He has to go through it because that's his purpose. And what's my point? My point is this. If we take as a given that God has a plan for your life, That means that whatever goes on in your life, it's part of God's plan. So if that's a good thing, it's part of God's plan. And if it's a not so good thing, it's still part of God's plan. So we should not be praying for God to take this away because it's part of God's plan. We need to be approaching it the way that Jesus did. And actually recognizing the fact that that is part of God's plan for you. It's part of God's purpose for you. Yes, pray for guidance. Pray for direction. Pray and tell God how bad this situation is making you feel, but don't pray and ask God to take it away from you, because this might be a situation that you grow through, where it changes you from the inside out. I had a very tragic accident that happened to me just over three years ago. A young man died at the age of 22, a friend of mine. And at that point in time, I made a decision that I was I literally at the site of the accident. I hit my knees and gave it to the Lord and prayed. And some of you have heard this before. Some of you haven't. But at that point in time, I just made a choice. It was too big for me. I couldn't handle it. No way I could handle it. I hit my knees literally at the point of the accident and gave it to the Lord. And for six months, my prayer, I was fervent in my prayer. And that six months, with all the tragedy, with the heartbreak and everything else, I came out of that six months stronger stronger in the Lord. And my relationship with God would not be where it is today if it had not have been for that accident, I can promise you. So my point is this, to go through any situation, any bad situation, be in prayer about it, but don't be necessarily praying, as I said, for the Lord to take that away. So many times we will face challenges and problems that we would like not to be going through. But as I said, they are always part of God's plan for us, whether we like it or we don't. And we need to pray that God will guide us through our problems and out of the other side. But our prayer really needs to be to ask God to help us to find what it is that he's trying to teach us through it. Hard though that is sometimes, difficult though it is, when we're in strife, when we're in tribulation, when we're in a really difficult situation, the last thing that we want to do is know why we're there. But we need to be asking the Lord to help us. And guide us and to teach us let us know clearly what the lesson is that we're supposed to be finding all right so that's problems the next area that we're going to look at where prayer will help you in your life people prayer will help you in the area of people in your life we need to be asking God to put the right people in our lives we need to be asking God to put the right people in our lives people that can help us people that can help us grow people that can mentor us that can guide us that can give us godly wisdom godly direction People that can help us in every area of our lives. And the reason is this. Five years from now, the person that you are five years from now will weigh heavily on two things. Firstly, the books that you read, the input that you get through the books that you read. And secondly, the people that you associate with. And that is more inclined to actually impact your life than the books. Five years from now, who you are will be determined largely by the people that you actually associate with. So it's therefore important that you associate with the right people. And anything that's important, we go to God with. So we're going to need to be praying that God will put the right people in our lives, those that can be a good influence on our lives. Likewise, we need to be praying that God will highlight the wrong people in our lives, that he will show us who it is in our lives that doesn't need to be there. Now, that sounds very harsh. Now, Pete, are you saying that you shouldn't love people, you shouldn't forgive people, you've got to pick and choose who it is you love and forgive? That's not what I'm saying at all. You love everybody. You forgive everybody. But whether you associate with them, you hang out with them, and you do what it is that they're suggesting is a completely different story. You need to be very mindful of who it is that you're around for the very same reason as I just said before. Good or bad, you will be who you are five years from now based on the people that you associate with. So you need the Lord to highlight to you those people in your life that are not good for you. And once you've established who it is that is not good for you, you need to be in prayer to the Lord as to what to do about it. It may be that you need to cut those people out of your life completely. It may be that you need to be the light in their darkness, that you need to be the impact upon their lives and actually help them, bring them to the Lord and change them. But be mindful that that's not necessarily the case. Some people are spiritually strong enough that they can take any impact from anybody. It doesn't matter who is actually giving them direction or making bad suggestions. They're spiritually strong enough that they will not stray. The vast majority of us... Do not fall into that category. We're in the flesh. And the majority of us will crumble when we're put under pressure from our peers, from our friends and from people that would like us to be doing something that we know that we're not supposed to do. So ask God for guidance as to the wrong people in your life and what to do about those wrong people in your life. Okay, other people that we need to pray for. A spouse. If you're single, we need to be praying about a spouse. We need to be praying for a godly spouse. And we need to be patient while that process goes through now I didn't meet Molly until I was 40 years of age I said in the first service that was not an answer to a prayer because I was not a Christian when I met her she's the reason I'm actually she is the person that led me to Christ so I was uh, nothing about prayer so I just mentioned that in passing now she pulled me to one side after the end of the first service and said this is important Pete I said what she said you said that you weren't praying you didn't pray for a godly spouse I said, no, I wasn't praying because I didn't know Christ. She said, but I was. She said, I was. I was praying for a godly spouse. And that really impacted on me. So we need to be praying for a godly spouse and the patience of the said fine and one. Now, we also need to be praying for people who are not yet in our lives that we can help. We need to be praying for the people that God has purposed us to help to come into our lives we're here with a purpose we're here for a reason you know jesus gave us the great commission we're supposed to spread the word we're supposed to teach about jesus bring people to him have people saved by the lord not by us it's just our role to put those people in the right position where they can become saved so we need to be praying that jesus does that that the lord does that he guides these people to us those people that need our help that he brings them brings them to us and jesus actually prayed about this also He's praying, as I said, for his disciples. He's praying over his disciples. And he says this, I do not pray for these people alone. In other words, his disciples. He's not just praying for his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he is saying, I'm praying for my disciples, but more than that, Lord. I'm praying for all of the people that might be touched by the word that they're going to give. And that's where we need to be praying. Because church is phenomenal. Church is fantastic. I personally love it in this place. I love every, every one of you. I love all the people here. But you know, this is not just about us. At the end of this service, I'll be making an appeal for anybody who hasn't yet had a relationship start with Christ. And I'll be offering you the opportunity to join the Christian family. I'll be offering you the opportunity for all of us to pray with you and to bring you in. But if there's no hands go up, then that basically tells me that whilst church is great and the growth of each individual here is very, very important, it's essential that we all are in church all of the time, the people that we need to be touching are not here. Yes? We need to be praying to bring those people to us. And when we've prayed that prayer and we're asking for people to actually be brought into our lives, we also need to pray for the confidence, for the boldness and for the courage to speak to these people. We need to be praying to recognize that these people are even here. As I said, our lives are so busy, we can just you could have walked past 15 people yesterday who have not been saved. I could have walked past 30 people yesterday who have not been saved. We need to be mindful of the fact there are people out there that need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. Some of us are fortunate and blessed to have him already. The majority of people don't. So we need to, as I said, be aware, pray for, pray for awareness, And pray for the boldness and the courage to actually speak to these people. Because I know it's not easy to necessarily strike up a conversation for everybody. Me, I enjoy it. If I meet somebody that I don't know, if I'm standing in a line at the shop, I'll always turn around and speak to people. Always. The classic response is, oh, I love your accent. (laughs) My classic response is, I love yours too. And then the conversation strikes up from there. But, I know it's also, once that conversation is started, not always necessarily easy for people to strike up a conversation about your faith. It takes confidence. It takes boldness. It would be great if if it didn't. This church would be overflowing. But we need to pray for that confidence. You see how everything comes back to prayer? Every aspect of our life we need to be changing has to involve prayer. Okay, so another area that we need to be praying about, very, very important, protection. We need to be praying for protection, protection from the enemy. Jesus prayed over his followers in the same way, in this way. He said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So Jesus is fully aware that the evil one is out there. He's fully aware, obviously, that the evil one is attacking everybody. But he is asking specifically, that God again doesn't take them out, these disciples or the people that they're touching, out of the situation or out of the world. He is asking for, their prote- for the Lord's protection from the evil one. God has a plan for your life, so does Satan. God has a plan for your life, but so does Satan. And every choice and decision that you're making will tend to fall on one side of the fence or the other. So be aware of that. Spiritual warfare. Is absolutely real. And I'm not saying any of this to scare you, but you need to be aware. God is stronger. He who's within us is stronger than he who's in the world. So we have that. We have that power to tap into, but we need to be praying for protection. We need to be praying for protection over our family. We need to be praying for protection over every journey that we make. We need to be praying for protection over our homes. Every single night, I pray over our home and over our family. We get together as a family, and I pray for peace in our home. I bind away the enemy. I pray that no weapon formed against us would prosper. I pray for peace in our homes and our minds and our spirits and our souls and our bodies. I pray for protection. I pray for a hedge of protection around our house. And I'm not saying you should pray all of these things necessarily, but that's what I pray. And let me tell you this. Two nights ago, I mean, our lives right now have been really, really busy. Two nights ago, I can't even tell you why, and I only really found out this morning Molly came to me again after I preached the first service and said to me that we, we inadvertently did not pray for Kobe on, uh, two nights ago. He went to his older brother that night and said, I don't feel right. I haven't, I haven't been prayed for. I don't, I don't feel right. Now that disturbs me on one hand. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm pleased and proud that he, he now knows what it feels like to be prayed for And when it's not prayed for, it doesn't feel right. That's where we should all be. That's where our families should be. It's my duty to protect my family. From the physical, yes, it is. To stop them from getting involved in anything that's dangerous. But it's also my responsibility to protect them from things of the spiritual world. And that I can only do through prayer. So protection is absolutely essential. Spiritual warfare is very real, like I said. But God will protect us through it. God protects And God provides, which brings to the next section. Provision. We should be praying for provision. God wants to provide for us. And there is nothing wrong with asking for God's provision. And it's all about our motivation. God wants to bless us, like I said. And we can't give what we don't have. So we need to be blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. But we need to be asking for the right things with the right motivation and not from a selfish standpoint. God is a good God, and he wants to provide and bless us abundantly. That's biblical. Jesus even tells us that we should ask God for good things in this scripture. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So Jesus is saying to us there, there's nothing wrong with asking. In fact, you should be asking for him. If us as humans, you know, if my kids come to me and ask me for something, then I would like to be able to provide them. Obviously not to extreme, not to excess. Don't want to spoil them, but it's very hard to say no sometimes. But we know that we want the very best for our kids. So if they come to me, you know, if Kobe comes to me and asks for a fish, I'm not going to give him a serpent. Okay? Definitely not going to give him a serpent. All right, but what the point is of this scripture is that what they're saying is if I'm able to recognize that and give my son what he wants, how much more is God going to give me when I turn to him and ask? I'm evil. He's not. I'm filthy. He's not. I'm a sinner. He's not. How much more good can he bestow upon me than I will ever be able to bestow upon my kids? And all I have to do is ask. All I have to do is ask So again, good things doesn't necessarily mean lots of extras or expensive toys. We need to ask for the provision, for example, for the right job. For the right job. Now here, again, is a great example of prayer. Ambition is not necessarily a bad thing. Striving for for, for better is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to want a good income for your family. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But praying for the job that gives you the best income is not necessarily praying for the right job for you as an individual. Praying for the job with the right income, with the best possible income, might mean that you're working 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, your income's going to be great, but you aren't going to be around your family and you're not going to be around your church. So that's an example. You might think, the world might tell you that the best job is a six-figure salary. I'm here to tell you that's not necessarily the best job. The best job is going to be a job which allows you, yes, to have an income to provide for your family, but which will also give you time to be with your family and to be in church. So that's an example for you, as to to be praying for God's will to be done in your life and for God to provide you with the right job for you as an individual, not necessarily the most best paying job. Asking for law's Lord's provision might mean that you're praying for the best school for your kids, which obviously is incredibly important. It might be that you're praying for a safe home for your family. You might be living in an area right now which is quite dangerous for you and your family. You might be praying for provision of a different property. But overall, we need to remember this, that God does want to bless us. But in order that we can, in turn, bless other people as well. So it's about being blessed to be a blessing. God will give to you what he can pass through you. God will give to you what he can pass through you. All right, now let's look at something that we should all be praying about. Purpose. Purpose. I'm passionate about this. You need to be praying about your purpose. Jesus said this to God as he was coming to the end of his life. Get this. This is so powerful. Jesus talking to God. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. How amazing would it be for us at the end of our lives to be able to say that to God. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. How incredibly powerful, how amazing would that be? The sad truth is this. In a Christian survey, 87% of Christians asked said they did not know what their calling was or what their purpose was in life. 87% of people said they do not know what their calling is, or what their purpose is in life. So what do we do about it? We pray about it. We pray and we ask for God's guidance. We pray for God to highlight in us what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Every single person in this church today, every person, you, sat in your seat, have a purpose. Not only do you have a purpose, but you have a purpose that God had before he even created you. He created you to fulfill the purpose that God already had. Nobody got that. Let me say it again. God created you to fulfill the purpose that he already had. He had a purpose and he created you to fulfill it. You are unique. No one is like you. And your purpose in life was already there before you were created. So you need to find out what it is. And the only person that can help you with that is the lord <clears throat> your friends around you your pastor pastoral team those people that know you can help you can give you guidance can give you direction and can help pray with you to actually find out what that purpose is but that purpose is completely unique and what i suggest you do is this look at your talents take a step out of yourself and look at you see what your talents are and that might be musical talents. You know I mean? Our praise and worship team. What an awesome job they did again today. You know, I'm going to put their name forward to sing the national anthem at the next Super Bowl. Because that was off the charts, wasn't it? Or was that just me? Okay. All right, so... The talents is not necessarily just from a musical perspective. It's not necessarily from, you know, you might be a math genius. Genius. It could be any number of things. You might be great with kids. You might be awesome at looking after a home. You might be a whiz at working out figures and paying your bills. It could be a whole stream of different things that you have talents. That's a God-given talent. Now, those talents, that list of talents that you have, and I I encourage you. I challenge you. Write down ten things that you can do, ten Talents that you might have. Now, you might be writing down a list of things which the majority of people can do. But I bet you two things. Firstly, one thing on that list, the person next to you is not going to be able to do. And secondly, the combination of your talents and your personality is entirely unique. It's entirely unique. Again, God created you for a purpose and to achieve that purpose. So I would really encourage you, find out what that purpose is. Find out what that calling is. Breaks my heart the thought of out of 100 Christians, 87 people don't know what they're there for. This is, these are Christians who obviously would want to be serving the Lord. Find out what your purpose is. If you need any help with that, please come to me. I'll be happy to pray for you and pray with you. All right, so throughout our walk, we should be praying for help with this, Perfection. With our perfection, we should be praying for our perfection. Now, does that mean we should be praying for us to become perfect? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about perfection from a flawless perspective. I'm talking about perfection from spiritual growth and from spiritual maturity. Jesus prayed for us in this way. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Again, this is Jesus praying to the Lord. So every topic that was spoken about so far, I've shown you scripture where Jesus is praying to God about what it is that we're talking about. And in this instance, he's asking that God sanctify them, meaning us, by your truth. Your word is truth. To be sanctified means to be set apart, to consecrate. The Greek word for it is hagiadzo, and that means a state of holiness. And it's the opposite of the Greek word for common or unclean. So rather than being common or unclean, God wants us to be set apart. He wants us to be sanctified. All right, 2 Timothy three sixteen seventeen 17 tells us how the word can help us. Jesus has said, he will be sanctified through your word. And in 2 Timothy, Paul writes this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So let's get this. Scripture. Jesus is saying that the Lord's word will sanctify us. It will set us apart. It will make us the opposite of unclean. And then Paul writes in uh, 2 Timothy that it helps correct us. It points out what's wrong with our lives. It teaches us to do things that are right. And God uses it to prepare us, prepare his people to do every good work. These two things are completely interlinked and intertwined. The two last things that we've spoken about here. This perfection, what we should be striving for and working towards, will help us to fulfill our purpose. The two go hand in hand. The more that we grow in the Lord, the more that we grow in the word, the more that we become perfect, in other words, spiritually mature, the more that we're there, then the more equipped we are to fulfill our purpose. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so we need to pray for wisdom. And we need to hear what God has to tell us through his word, through messages at church, through the Bible, and from godly friends and from godly counsel. And we need to pray for the heart and the ability to learn and to grow. But more than that, we need to pray for the desire and the ability to apply what we learn in church into our life. We need to apply what we learn in the word into our life the Bible is not out of date it was written over the course of a lot of years but it's not out of date it's absolutely relevant and it's living and it's real for you in your life completely uniquely and independently if you read the word you will gain in wisdom and you will grow and you will gain in knowledge and there are some people that say that knowledge is power that's not true the use of knowledge is power I can learn how to drive a car but if I don't get in and turn the key, I'm not going anywhere. So it's about applying what you've learned. I know some people who are biblically brilliant. The amount of knowledge that they have of the Bible is incredible. And if I ever had to go into a quiz where there's a team for a Bible competition, they would be the top of my list. But if I needed godly counsel or advice, they wouldn't be quite so close to the top of the list. They have all the knowledge but they don't necessarily apply it into their lives. So it's the application of what it is that we learn which is so very, very important. All right, so the last thing I want to look at today that we need to be praying for is this. Peace. God's peace. We need to be in prayer for God's peace. God's peace in our lives and God's peace in the lives of other people. God's peace in the lives of our family. And in order for us to achieve that peace, we need to be praying for God's forgiveness. We need to be praying for the heart to forgive other people. Unforgiveness of other people will destroy your peace, just as much as not being forgiven for something you did yourself. So you need to pray for forgiveness from the Lord, which will bring peace. But another thing that will bring peace is if you forgive somebody else. And there are people in here who have got somebody that they haven't forgiven for something in their life guarantee it and whilst i'm not making light of it and it could be something horrifically bad that happened to you that they actually did to you those many many years ago maybe and you still yet to forgive them let me just give you a word of encouragement whilst i understand that it's impacted your life and i understand that what it was that happened was very very bad you're not hurting them by not forgiving them you're hurting yourself and the only thing that will give you the peace that God wants you to have is by forgiving them and letting them that, letting that go. Forgiving somebody for something they did wrong to you doesn't make it right. You're not telling them that it doesn't matter what it is that they did to you. And you're not telling them that it was okay that they did it. That's not what you're doing. What you're saying to them is, I forgive you, I release myself from the bondage that I've been in by holding this against you. That's for somebody because that's not even in my notes. So that's for somebody. We need to pray for a closer relationship with Christ. And here's a promise that Christ made. Matthew 11, 28, 30. My favorite scripture. It's the first scripture that spoke to me from the Bible. Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. It doesn't matter what your burdens are. It doesn't matter if your burdens are guilt for something that you've done in the past. It doesn't matter if your burdens are addictions, if you're addicted in some way or another. It doesn't matter if your burdens are unforgiveness if it's abuse that was either caused by you or to you. doesn't matter if your burden is heartache, if it's debt, if it's sickness, if it's a loss of a loved one. Jesus promises you that through him you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul. So before I wrap up, I just want to recap what it is that was spoken about today. We've covered a lot of ground. Thank you for your patience and for your attentiveness. All right, but what I want to do now is just run through this list of what it is that we've covered so far today. This is not an extensive list of where it is we need to be praying in our lives. All right, but this is what we've covered today. We've covered how praise is important and an important part of our prayers. We've uh, covered how we can actually approach the Lord with our problems. How we need to be praying about the people in our lives. We need to be praying for protection from the enemy. We need to be praying for his provision. We need to be praying that we can find out what our purpose is in life is what God has for us we need to be praying for spiritual perfection and we need to be praying for the Lord's peace upon our lives so what I will say is this this is the tip of the iceberg we have a whole month of talking about prayer and trust me it's not going to get boring it's not going to get repetitive because prayer is incredibly important it's incredibly powerful it will change your whole life as I said and it will change and impact the life of those people around you as well you took prayer away from me, I don't know what I'd do. You took prayer away from my family, I don't, we, I don't know what they would do. Our lives would be completely and absolutely transformed. They're not just empty words. Prayer is never empty words. Prayer is always very, very impactful. So be sure to be here every Wednesday and every Sunday, and we'll be continuing throughout this series to just find out how powerful prayer actually is, and yet how accessible a consistent an effective prayer life can be. Please stand if you would.
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.